keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Speed of Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Tuesday, September the 27th, 2022, on the feast day of St. Vincent de Paul. Pray for us. Hey, you, did you hear recently Catholics marched from Arlington to Washington, D.C., from the cathedral in Arlington, Virginia, to the cathedral in Washington, D.C.? What were they marching for? They were prayerfully asking their bishops to restore the traditional Latin Mass to those Catholics that desire it there in the Washington, D.C. Metroplex area. And we're going to talk with Noah Peters about that coming up at 35 past the hour. Also, you might not know this, but the military is suffering the worst recruitment numbers in its history. Uh, It's down five points in U.S. confidence alone just in the past year, what's going on in our military? I want to talk about that at 15 past the hour. Join us if you can. At the top of the next hour, Brent Ains is going to be back on. He was on with us yesterday, but uh, tomorrow or today is his regular 7.05 Central Standard Time, 8.05 Eastern slot with us. We're going to be talking about a, uh, a critical case in Kansas where a teacher has won uh, in court using preferred pronouns. Uh, hmm, that's interesting. We're going to have a conversation around that at the top of the next hour. If you can join us, we surely would love to have you. Lots of stories in the news today, of course. We talked about my good friend Mark Houck and uh, their situation having been arrested. The FBI did come back and say, hey, it wasn't a SWAT team, okay? It was just guys dressed up in tactical gear, surrounded the premises with, oh, with uh, you know, heavy uh, artillery and weapons and all the rest, and then beat on the door until he came out with guns and rest. So, other than that, oh, also, he volunteered to go turn himself into the FBI three months ago. Nonetheless, they pounded on his door last Friday. We'll have more on that in the coming days and weeks. But anyway, for more than a week now, Iran has been in the throes of mass protests provoked by the death of the 22-year-old uh, Masa Amini, uh, she was killed while in custody of the authorities. Uh, apparently, it looks like, we're trying to get some commentary from Robert Spencer on this, but it looks like the Khomeini is just waiting it all out, just wants it to go away. So we're going to see what happens there. Alec Baldwin may face charges for that shooting death of Helena Hutchins in the the filming of the Rust film shooting. Remember, we talked about that quite a bit when it first happened. Uh, Cardinal Jose de, uh, de Mendoza has been uh, named the new prefect of the, the Dicastria of Culture and Education. Apparently, according to an Edward Penton tweet I saw yesterday, in 2018, Cardinal Mendoza wrote a positive preface for a radical feminist, Sister Teresa, who supports queer theology, feminism, contraception, abortion, and so-called feminist ordination. So that's fun. Good to see those folks getting big, high-paying jobs. Anyway, uh, lots of stories we're going to cover today. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And uh, would you write a preface to my book? Um, Sure. What is your book about? It's going to be about Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. my favorite heresy. Really? The one I I love the most. Is that right? (laughs) Um, Which heresy was that again that you love the most? I'm just curious. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. 
Uh, Sorry, I can't what? say it out loud. I have to uh, keep it a secret. <laughs> I see, but you're so, gonna write it in a book. So yeah, you, nobody's gonna read it. You gotta read the book to know what's inside of it. Yeah, you exactly. gotta buy the book to know what's inside of it. Yeah, and it's only hardcover, so it's thirty-five dollars <laughs> each book. Of course, uh, gold inlay. No, 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 come on. Embossed. What, no. are we, what are we talking about here? No, but you'll get a jacket. Ooh. Yeah, dust jacket. Paper mache. Yeah. Jacket. It'll look so fine <laughs> in the shelf of the Goodwill. Yeah. When speaking nobody leaves it. speaking <laughs> of looking so fine, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to Adrian. Howdy, howdy! Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. I'm not seeing uh, so much bad news. I mean, things are looking looking positive. Are they? The sky's yes. not falling. Uh, this, I woke up this morning and I uh -huh. stepped outside, and I didn't start sweating. <laughs> it was like 68 degrees <laughs> outside, and I was like, "Wow." It's actually kind of nice. Actually, and I was like, "This is going to be a good day today." Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I'm optimistic about today. Yeah, later this day it'll be 98 degrees. But okay, well, but okay. I, that's okay. As yeah. long as I get some cool air, then I'm satisfied. All right. And I was looking at the weather all week, and it's going to be in the 90s during the day. Yeah. But when the sun goes down, mm -hmm. at least it's not going to be in the 90s during the sun's down. Hey, speaking of weather, if you're in Florida, I hope you're paying attention to that hurricane oh, yeah. uh, bearing down on Tampa right now. But it could it could swing a little bit towards the panhandle there. So please act accordingly. Now, they are saying it's going to slow down before landfall. It might, it might land as a Category 1, but... You shouldn't take too many chances. Hopefully you're paying attention. I am notorious for not paying attention to storms in the Gulf until they're about to hit the coast. So don't be like me. Let's pray. Let's jump in. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday again. Just kidding, it's Tuesday. And it's September 27th. Here are your headlines this morning. The Washington Examiner reports EPA launches new environmental justice office that will oversee delivery of $3 billion worth of grants. The Environmental Protection Agency launched a new office for environmental justice, so-called, that will focus on delivering funds and aiding so-called minority communities affected by pollution. The new Office of Environmental Justice and Ex External Civil Rights will oversee the delivery of $3 billion worth of environmental justice grants provided by funds allocated in the Inflation Reduction Act. That's fun. The office will also enforce federal civil rights laws and help resolve environmental conflicts your hard tax dollars at work. Reuters reports gunmen detained after shooting at Russian draft office in Siberia. The gunman, who in a video published on social media is seen identifying himself to police officers as 25-year-old Ruslan Zinin, opened fire at a draft office in a Siberian town. A separate video of the shooting shows him firing at least one shot inside the draft office. A number of draft offices have been attacked since Russian President Vladimir Putin declared a partial mobilization last Wednesday to bolster Russian forces in Ukraine. Protests across against the draft took place over the weekend in regions of Dagestan and Yukatia, both of which have supplied disproportionate numbers of soldiers to the war. Breitbart reports Iran, death toll mounts. International outrage grows on day 10 of hijab uprising. Protests continue across Iran despite promises by the regime to deal decisively with those who oppose the country's security and tranquility and take decisive action without leniency.
The protesters' chant of, I will kill whoever killed my sister, refers to the cause of the current uprising, the killing of a young Kurdish woman named Masa Amini by Iran's thuggish morality police because she was not wearing her headscarf properly. The number of people killed in the protests after 10 days is difficult to determine in part because the regime has been shutting down internet service in a bid to prevent dissidents from organizing. The official death toll stands at 41, but international human rights groups believe the total is much higher. And Ground News reports Blinken says U.S. has told Russia to stop the loose talk on nuclear weapons. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken says the U.S. has told Russian officials to stop loose talk on potential use of nuclear weapons. Blinken said it's very important that Moscow hears from us and knows from us that the consequences would be horrific if something like that was to take place. Russian President Vladimir Putin last week warned in a televised address that Russia's nukes were more modern than Western nations. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Vincent de Paul. Born in 1580, the deathbed confession of a dying servant opened St. Vincent de Paul's eyes to the crying spiritual needs of the peasantry of France. This seems to have been a crucial moment in the life of the man from a small farm in Gascony, France, who had become a priest with little more ambition than to have a more comfortable life. The Countess de Gondi, whose servant he had helped, persuaded her husband to endow and support a group of able and zealous missionaries who would work among poor tenant farmers and country people in general. Vincent was too humble to accept leadership at first, but after working for some time in Paris among imprisoned galley slaves, he returned to be the leader of what is now known as the Congregation of the Mission, or the Venetians. These priests, with vows of poverty, chastity, obedience, and stability, were to devote themselves entirely to the people in smaller towns and villages. Later, Vincent established confraternities of charity for the spiritual and physical relief of the poor and sick of each parish. From these, with the help of St. Louis de Marillac, came the Daughters of Charity whose convent is the sick room, whose chapel is the parish church, whose cloister is the streets of the city. He organized the rich women of Paris to collect funds for his missionary project, founded several hospitals, collected relief funds for the victims of war, and ransomed over 1,200 galley slaves from North Africa. He was zealous in conducting retreats for clergy at a time when there was a great laxity, abuse, and ignorance among them. He was a pioneer in clerical training. He was instrumental in establishing seminaries. Most remarkably, Vincent was, by temperament, a very irascible person. Even his friends admitted it. He said that, except for the grace of God, he would have been hard and repulsive, rough and cross. But he became a tender and affectionate man, very sensitive to the needs of others. Pope Leo XIII made him the patron of all charitable societies. He died in September 27, 1660. St. Vincent de Paul, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. When the days of Jesus to be taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there, but they would not welcome him because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. 
When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they journeyed to another village. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. Lord, can we call down fire from heaven? The, uh, the sons of thunder, as they are nicknamed here. Ignatius Catholic Commentary points out, uh, to be received up, this, this particular passage here, a reference to Jesus' ascension. Jewish tradition holds that both Moses and Elijah were assumed into heaven and that both imparted a share of their spirit to their successors. Jesus will likewise ascend into glory and pour out his spirit upon his followers, which is giving us a lot of sort of, uh, hmm, smell that? That flavor of typology, that flavor of Old Testament typology here with Elijah in particular, calling down fire from heaven to consume those uh, pagan priests. Remember that? Of course, he himself was taken up in the fiery chariot. So we're seeing this motif here, and I think I find that very, very fascinating. Let alone the word messenger in the original Greek in this passage was uh, the same word for angels. Did he send angels? Did he send his uh, disciples? St. Jerome is landing on the side of angels. Other commentators are saying the apostles. Very, very interesting. Uh, St. Cyril of Alexandria points out, in order then that they, the disciples, might not be offended when they saw him suffer, Bearing in mind that they must also endure patiently when men persecute them, he ordained beforehand as a kind of prelude this refusal of the Samaritans. It was good for them also in another way, for they were to be the teachers of the world, going through towns and villages to preach the doctrine of the gospel, meeting sometimes with men who would not receive the sacred doctrine, allowing not that Jesus sojourned on earth with them. Close quote, St. Cyril of Alexandria. St. Ambrose points out, Mark that he was unwilling to be received by those who he knew had not turned to him with a simple heart. For if he had wished, he might have made them devout who were undevout. But God calls those whom he thinks worthy and whom he wills, he makes religious. Close quote. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm, I wonder if this wades into the debate between Dominicans and Franciscans and others about predestination. I don't know, but I tell you what, I want to be in Among the Called, so let's do that today. Let's be Among the Called. Let us repent, make reconciliation with our Lord, and be among those he thinks worthy. Amen? Hey, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Often told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Orman Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. 
I'm Carlo Brusord with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, this is Sister Didi Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Noah Peters is going to be our guest. He helped to coordinate and plan a march for Catholics marching from the cathedral in Arlington, Virginia, to the cathedral in Washington, D.C. Uh, why? Well, in hopes of restoring the traditional Latin Mass for those Catholics that desire it, in those dioceses. We're going to have that conversation at 35 past the hour. Please do join us if you can. There are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Having served in the military, many of us have, uh, you know, um, we keep an eye on what's going on in the military. And of course, we've been very concerned about what has been going on in the military here in the United States for some time. But I don't know if you know this or not, but right now, recruitment numbers in the military is at an all-time low. I mean, it's so bad at this point that the Army doesn't even think that they're ever going to catch up by the end of the year. Like, they're like, it's, it's, we're just going to write the year off. It's that bad. So I saw a couple articles uh, related to this topic, and I thought I would share them to you. Here's one out of the Deseret News by Suzanne Bates. It says, military recruitment numbers are down. Are woke politics to blame? The military is struggling to find new recruits to fill its ranks. Some of the branches have responded by offering tens of thousands of dollars in signing bonuses, while the Army says it is so far behind its recruitment goals for this year that it is unlikely to catch up. The lingering question is why aren't people signing up? While the official reasons given by the military, including uh, fewer face-to-face recruitments during the pandemic and fewer young people who meet with the physical standards that are required, likely play a role some say it's because the military is too woke turning off its normal constituency of young conservative recruits trust in american institution is down across the board according to a recent recent gallup poll when asked how much confidence they have in the military 64 percent said a great deal or quite a lot which means the military is still one of the most trusted institutions in the country but last year That number was 69%. So there was a five-point drop in confidence in just one year. With politics ripping at the seams of institutions once held in high regard, like the Supreme Court, schools, and the healthcare system, the military may be facing similar headwinds. But what does that mean for American war readiness? In an emailed statement to Deseret News, an Army spokesman described just how tough recruiting new soldiers has been this year. The Army, quote, is facing most its most challenging recruiting environment since the all-volunteer force inception in 1973, said Brian McGovern, Deputy Director of Public Affairs for U.S. Army Recruitment Command. 
The Army is only 52% of the way towards its recruitment goals for the fiscal year, which ends September 30th. McGovern said that the Army expects to face a shortage of 12,000 to 15,000 recruits this year. On the list of reasons McGovern gave for the low recruitment numbers were a tight job market, fewer eligible enlistees, and fewer people with a desire to serve, which he said is currently at 9% of the eligible population, the lowest it's been since 2007. Recruiters continue to look for new ways to increase their numbers, including huge signing bonuses and student loan forgiveness programs. The Army is offering up to $40,000 to enlistees who can be ready to start in 45 days, while the Navy and Air Force are offering bonuses of up to 50000 for high-demand career fields and up to 65000 in student loan assistance. Now, that's fascinating, isn't it? You think that's impressive. Wow, that's pretty good. But, you know, with the Biden administration, you know, starting to forgive student loan debt, hmm, is that enough? Is that enough is the question. Don't forget, the higher your ASVAB store, your ASVAB score, the higher your eligibility for jobs that would give you such signing bonuses. I myself had a fairly decent ASVAB score back in the 90s, uh, 90, 1990, and I got a, a signing bonus as a result. Uh, but I didn't get no $50,000, that's for sure. I was able to go to college when I was in the Marine Corps, joined the University of Hawaii Pacific. I was able to start college. And uh, it is an excellent benefit. But the problem is the issue is are deeper than just money. Here's another article from the Superpower to Paper Tiger Part 1 by Jed Babin over at the American Spectator. It says former President Donald Trump is being mocked for suggesting last week that we'd lose a war with Russia. Trump, with great regularity, uses words rather carelessly. But in this case, he's probably right. With apologies to John Kennedy Toole, President Joe Biden, and the Confederacy of Dunces, who are his top advisors, have now exceeded the achievements of Jimmy Carter and Barack Obama in destroying the ability of our forces to win the next war. In 2008, when he was serving as Defense Secretary for George W. Bush, Robert Gates said, quote, I have noticed a tendency toward what might be called the next war it is. The propensity of much of the defense establishment to be in favor of what might be needed in future conflict. When I asked a former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff what he thought about Gates' remarks, he told me that he wondered what in the world, I'm going to change this, the, the statement there, what in the world Gates was thinking. Biden and his Biden and his minions are implementing Gates' logic if you can call it that, in the extreme by ensuring that we cannot be prepared for the next fight, there should be criminal penalties for what they are doing to the force. This column will discuss the personal the personnel problems our military is suffering because Biden and the woke leadership he has imposed on the Pentagon are preventing readiness and unity among the forces. He goes on to say, as I wrote last week, Biden's inflation caused by reckless overspending to the tune of trillions of dollars is a tax on those who can least afford it. Some of those people are in the lower ranks of the military. The army is suffering an inability to get enough people to enlist and meet its needs. So are those in the Air Force and Navy. The army issued guidance of September 13th, urging soldiers to apply for benefits under the food stamp welfare program. 
known as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Can you imagine? We send our people to uh, fight in foreign wars, to do all kinds of tasks and and difficulties, arduous uh, on the family, and they're expected to live off of food stamps. Let that sink in for a moment. Article goes on to say people should take pride in the military service. That is that is destroyed by telling the troops that they should sign up for welfare in order to be able to afford to serve. According to the Army's website, a private, an E-1, with less than two years service, earns a salary of $21,999.60 each year. A junior sergeant earns $31,000. $323.60. Both salaries are barely above the poverty level. Yes, they get free medical care and can stop and can shop rather at the commissary stores. But because of government subsidies, they pay less than people living on the economy. Some get signing bonuses, but as the Army recognized by the guidance it issued, these people, especially those who are trying to support a family, are suffering because of Biden's inflation. Now, when I was in the Marine Corps and I enlisted, I was told I was not allowed to get married unless I had special permission because, uh, one, it affected my readiness. If I had a wife and family, then it made it harder on the home front for me to go overseas and possibly fight and die for my country. But there's also the economy because a wife and kids, they can't live in the barracks. They're not going to eat at the chow hall. So they have to have a place to live, and there's on-base housing, and it's uh, some, and it's scaled based on your rank and how nice it is, and and whatever, and you do get subsidies, but it is extremely tight. You aren't living very well. Again, you're living at or about the poverty line, and yet we're asking these people to do so much for us. Now, what's interesting is, uh, so what's causing all of these problems in the military? Well. You might have heard that the Air Force Academy, like the other services, is demanding wokeness of cadets uh, who will be future officers. Do you know how hard it is to get into a military academy? I mean, you might be able to get into Harvard easier than you could get into the military academy. I knew guys, when I was going through high school, uh, I had several friends. I entertained a notion at one point in my high school career that I might, might possibly make it into the Naval Academy. Um... But I quickly realized I didn't have a chance. It helped me that a Gulf War broke out and I could enlist. It kind of covered over the fact that I was going to not get into the academy. Well, my friends, they studied night and day. They memorized the thesaurus. They planned to, to get a perfect score on the SATs. They had to do so many extracurricular activities, sports, and everything else in order to hope that a congressman would write that letter of recommendation that they might have a chance at entering the academy. Only the academic best, the people who look absolutely perfect on paper, get the shot at a military academy. It is so incredibly competitive and so very hard. And once they get there, what are they told? They are told just last week that they should no longer use the general gender words mom and dad but they should be more gender fluid in their conversation and in their writing. On September the 14th, the Academy promoted a fellowship program, a nine-week paid internship open to cadets who are not cisgender men. 
Cisgender man is a man who identifies uh, as matching his own biology. You know the one God gave us? Do you have that one? So if you think you match your gender that God gave you, well, you don't qualify, apparently, for this particular program at the Academy. The application for the program, according to Fox News reports, states that it openly, it is open only to those who identify as something else. It states, if you are a cisgender woman, a transgender woman, a non-binary, uh, agender, bi-gender, two-spirit, demigender, gender fluid, gender queer, or another form of gender minority, this program is for you. It goes on to say, if you are a cisgender man, this program isn't for you. We have seen quite a bit of wokeness in our military these days. And uh, while the world is seemingly preparing for a great conflict again, please God forbid, our military is giving itself over to woke ideologies. When I went to boot camp, they shaved my head off. I was uh, taught to say, sir, whatever I was going to say, and then sir. I was taught that every single one of us were losing our personal identities and we were becoming equals across the board. I served alongside of men from all over. I served alongside men who were not even American citizens, but volunteered to serve in our nation's military, to fight, to possibly die, in hopes that they could become citizens. I served alongside good men and bad men, too. But we were equal, no matter the color of our skin, no matter where we came from, no matter our backgrounds or how much money our parents had in the bank. We stood on those yellow footprints, and we volunteered to protect the Constitution in this country. So many people have served with distinction, and so many have not. But we fear for what our future holds in a military that has lost its way, its honor, and its dignity. We have much to pray for. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is just a bunch of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts and it's against freedom? G.K. Chesterton says, Catholic doctrine and discipline may be walls, but they are the walls of a playground. Freedom exists only within the rules. The greatest act of freedom is obedience, not disobedience. Breaking the rules never makes us happy and certainly does not make us free. God's rules are for our good, not to restrict us, but to protect us. That is how the truth makes us free. Chesterton says that while the church has established rule and order, the chief aim of that order is to give room for good things to run wild. You want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Carrie Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. 
Catholic News Agency reports, amid outcry, FBI disputes account of raid at pro-life Catholics' family's home. There are inaccurate claims being made regarding the arrest of Mark Hawk, the FBI's Philadelphia office said in a statement. They said, quote, no SWAT team or SWAT operators were involved. FBI agents knocked on Mr. Hawk's front door, identified themselves as FBI agents, and asked him to exit the residence. He did so and was taken into custody without incident pursuant to an indictment, unquote. The statement continued. An FBI spokesperson declined to answer CNA's questions about the number of law enforcement personnel at the scene and whether any of them drew their weapons and pointed them at the family. Brian Middleton, who has acted as the Hawk family spokesperson, reminded to, uh, responded to the FBI's statement saying, quote, They are turning this into a technical conversation about the representation of a woman who on Friday morning was awakened by a bunch of FBI agents armed with automatic weapons, some of them with body armor, pointing automatic weapons at her and her husband when they arrived at the front door in front of their children, Middleton told CNA. TND reports White House says a new rule will show true costs of plane tickets. Praise be to God. President Joe Biden will announce a new initiative that would eventually allow consumers to see a more complete price on airline tickets, including baggage and change fees, before they buy, as the White House continues to search for ways to lower costs for Americans amid persistently high inflation. And The Hill reports Poland concerts canceled for Pink Floyd's Waters after blowback to Russia's war comment. Two upcoming concerts in Poland featuring Pink Floyd co-founder Roger Waters were recently canceled amid backlash over his comments blaming Ukraine and NATO for Russia's invasion. The decision comes as uh, Krakow City councillors were expected to vote on a resolution this week that would deem Waters a persona non grata for his comments criticizing Ukraine and the West. Last month, the rock legend defended his controversial position on the Russia-Ukraine war. He said, This war is basically about the action-reaction of NATO pushing right up to the Russian border, which they promised they wouldn't do when former Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev negotiated the withdrawal of the USSR from the whole of Eastern Europe, he told CNN in August. Earlier this month, Waters sent a letter to Ukrainian First Lady Olena Zelenska blaming extreme nationalists for setting the country on the path to this disastrous war. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Uh, so much going on in the world today. Uh, again, much to pray, fast, and do penance for. Amen. Uh, joining us now via Zoom chat is Noah Peters. Uh, recently, there was a, a march from Arlington to Washington, D.C. Uh, very inspirational, by the way. And so we, we wanted to get uh, we wanted to get the story behind that and uh, what Catholics in those dioceses are asking. Good morning to you, Mr. Peters. Good morning. We were pr- uh, grateful for your time today. Let's start with the event itself. What was this event? How did it get started? Who planned it? And all of that. Well, it was just uh, organized by uh, kind of ordinary parishioners in uh, the diocese affected in the Diocese of uh, Washington, D.C. and Arlington. It was um, organized by me and uh, just a few other uh, few other people. And um, it really came about in response to these uh, just kind of spontaneously almost in response to these uh, restrictions that were announced in July uh, 22nd by the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and in uh, on July 29th by the Diocese of Arlington. So this was the enforcement of Traditionis Custodis, um, which seemed very heavy-handed. 
there in the Diocese of Arlington and Washington, D.C. Can you give us a sense of what was what was the, what's the difference here? What, like, what was it like before and now after uh, with access to the 62 missile mass? Yeah. Well, before it was very free. Um, you know, we had uh, 28 different locations uh, within the two dioceses in Arlington and Washington, D.C. that were offering um, the traditional Latin mass. That's down to 11. So cut over half um, the draft availability, especially in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. There's no more weekday TLMs anywhere in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. It just, doesn't just include um, the city of Washington, D.C. That includes um, the surrounding counties in Maryland, too. Um, pretty much only uh, Sundays at 9 a.m. Um, in three three locations. Um, nothing on Christmas, nothing on uh Holy Week, all of that is gone entirely in Washington, D.C. And then in the Diocese of Arlington, uh, we were moved out of of parish churches. We had um, 21 locations. We were moved out of all but three of those locations into different uh, school gyms in in a lot of cases, um, you know, uh, chapels. Um, these spaces, um, have, through the efforts of parishioners, have been transformed almost overnight into beautiful spaces. But these were um, gyms in many cases and social halls, um, and, and people have tried very hard to make them look uh, to uh, successfully um, to make them look nice. They've actually been kind of miraculously transformed and are very nice now. But Please yeah, but they've um, been kicked out of all but three parish churches. Uh, church locations. Mr. Peters, uh, can you give us a sense of like uh, how big these communities were? I mean, for for um, the archdiocese to close a large community, that's going to displace a lot of people. Do you do you have any numbers? Uh, so there's uh, probably about it, it really varies. Um, it's definitely thousands of people who are affected by it. I would say probably um, at least 5,000 uh, with between the two um, locations between Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. and the Diocese of Arlington. Um, provisions are being made um, to try to make space for all of the folks who attend the TLM. It's very tough and it's very tight in a lot of the locations, uh, the new locations that we've uh, been given. Um, the, in Southern Maryland, they, um, especially in Benedict, Maryland, uh, St. Francis de Sales there, um, there's really, uh, it's really overcrowded in the space that that parish was moved to. It was moved to a mission church, um, which doesn't have enough space uh, for everyone. Um, there's similar situations in the Diocese of, of Arlington where um, the, the spaces are just too small um, to fit everyone. And there's uh, there's over, been overflow at a, at a lot of masses. Um, so it's definitely uh, affecting a lot of people out here. And that's why um, the response to it has just been, uh, kind of tremendous in terms of uh, people wanting to go out and wanting to do something about it and writing their um, bishops and writing uh, Cardinal Gregory and, and Bishop Burbage and trying to get these terrible restrictions overturned. Mm. Now, the as far as the, the march went, you marched from the cathedral in Arlington to the cathedral in D.C. How many participants were there for the march? 
we had about 300 people um, for the march. Um, so it was a really, really good turnout. We had no idea how many people were going to turn out when we were planning it. Um, it all came together very quickly. Um, as I said, like the restrictions were announced on July 29th, and we basically planned it in the space of of a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we had uh, about 300 people. How far is that? Um, so the march itself was about um, five miles, and it was about a two-hour walk. Okay. Uh, that's not bad. And did you have, like, police escort? I mean, what was the route? Was it, like, uh, along the streets? Yeah. It was around uh, sidewalks, basically, mostly. Um, it was uh, – we didn't have police police escort. The, the police were aware of it and were very helpful. Uh, but because it was occurring on public sidewalks, um, uh-huh. you know, and then the sidewalks were very wide there, um, it, it, it worked out um, pretty well in terms of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was just a beautiful experience. Um, we had singing, praying the rosary. Um, we walked over, walking over the Key Bridge into Washington, D.C. was mm-hmm. just a kind of wonderful uh, experience. Um, there's lots of great videos and photos, but um, it was really a beautiful, special, spiritual occasion. I imagine uh, f- families, moms, dads, and kids. Uh, yes, a lot, a lot of uh, families and, and stuff like that. Um, so it was uh, a, a great turnout in that regard. Um, you know, we had a, a lot of families and a lot of people pushing strollers. Did you have any clergy with you? did uh we had a couple of, of clergy members um who came uh we had uh father lavelle from the coalition for canceled priests was there and we had at least one other fellow um who came i think a seminarian mm. now uh we have about a, a minute and a half here before we have to go to a break but we're going to continue our conversation after the break but did you have any opportunity uh i imagine with like you said a minute ago with so many faithful that are affected by this in that area writing to the bishops, had the bishops been open to conversating, to dialogue, to listening sessions or anything like that? Um, Well, in terms of meaningful listening sessions, um, you know, it hasn't, not really. Um, Basically, the uh, Cardinal Gregory um, held a listening session in May um, in Washington, D.C., um, but you know, the, it didn't really have, a, and a lot of people came in and pleaded with them, um, to try to, to not do this, to not do these restrictions. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't have any effect. Um, the rest- we know that the restrictions that he planned were, were almost essentially the same before and after the listening session. Um, in terms of what happened in Arlington, um, we definitely had, you know, we, we wrote to the bishop um, en masse uh, with the public letters that were signed by thousands of people. Um, Hold that thought right there. I, uh, we're at a break, a hard break here. We're going to come back. Noah Peters is our guest. We're going to pick up right there uh, in uh, mass letters to the bishop in Arlington right after this very quick break. Let's, let's uh, all pray for a great outcome. We need more and not less. 
Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What is the life expectancy of any human organization to exist under one rule of law? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the deceit of dominance. Kingdoms, empires, and societies all come and all go. Why? Moral decay, a blind eye, and defiance to the order of a civil society. Secondly, history. Kingdoms such as the Persians, the Greeks, the Ottomans, even the Roman Empire made it for around a thousand years, but soon they all find themselves failing, imploding, and finally splitting. Ah, but there's one that has survived, the Catholic Church, and under one rule of law. And thirdly, my take, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would infuse the apostles with a divine glue that would hold his church together. It is a human impossibility that the Catholic Church would persist through time, terror, and trouble. Well, the Rolling Stones have lasted 60 years, the Atlanta Braves about 150, the teetering Southern Baptists about 180, but we're still here 2,000 years later, and the best is yet to come. Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. So many Catholics have been affected by Traditionis Custodis. It has been a, a very difficult thing for so many to lose access to the sacred liturgy in the 62 Missal. And it's been a tough balance uh, trying to not be discouraged by that, trying not to uh, dissent. Some people have left. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a very grave and difficult situation for literally thousands and thousands of Catholics around the world. And uh, it's been refreshing to see Noah Peters and so many Catholics in the Arlington and Washington, D.C. area to do something that they hoped would move the hearts of their bishops. And we're talking with Noah Peters now about that. Welcome back to the show, sir. Uh, you left off with a letter-writing campaign to the bishop in Arlington. Tell me about that. Yeah, so this is basically how, um, you know, what, what I mean, my initial uh, kind of action in this regard was to, uh, in January, when they first, uh, when the Bishop Burbage said that he was considering implementing Traditionis Custodis um, to uh, organize a letter writing campaign that attracted the signature of 25,000 um, Catholics from the Arlington Diocese in support of the traditional Latin mass, um, the restrictions that, that ended up coming down um, were a lot harsher in Arlington than anyone could have anticipated at the time. Uh, we had no idea that we would be thrown out of all but three parish churches mm-hmm. um, and had the, the number of locations uh, cut by over half. It was unimaginably um harsh in that regard. Um, so I don't think that it, it didn't reflect in a lot of ways um, the kind of, uh, you know, quote unquote, listening church um, aspect. I mean, uh, basically everyone in the diocese, there was, there was no movement that I could see uh, in favor of, of kicking out um, Latin mass parishioners. In fact, a lot of the uh, we've gotten a lot of great support. A lot of people at the march don't even didn't even attend the Latin Mass and were just sympathetic to us. Oh wow! Um, so we've gotten a lot of yeah, a lo- we've gotten a lot of um, great support from people who don't even attend the Latin Mass. But you know, mm-hmm. in all of these parishes, they all, all, obviously they offer the Novus Ordo, 
And, uh, you know, we're friends. We're, we have close bonds with all everyone who goes there. I mean, we're, we're in the parish communities. Um, so the idea of throwing us out of the church and throwing us to different locations really struck, gave people kind of a very bad feeling. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was something where I think the, uh, listening, um, probably didn't really seem to happen very much, unfortunately. Um, but we're going to continue to try. You know, we, um, are continuing to work with the, um, bishops and, uh, continuing to write to them and, and, uh, to try to, um, you know, try to work with them within these restrictions. It is hard, is it not, to, uh, maintain that good attitude, that, uh, joyful spirit in the midst of what feels like a super heavy handed, approach uh to, i mean of all the problems in the world today who knew that the traditional land mass is the biggest culprit yeah that's what always has floored me in all of this is looking out in all the problems in the ch- uh, church i mean let alone the world but in the catholic church with infant baptisms declining with marriages within the church declining mass attendance uh, plummeting um, to think that the problem is the fact that too many people are attending the Latin Mass. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and you have to think about, um, you know, it, it's just so mind-boggling in, in a lot of ways. But I think um, in terms of doing the march, a lot of it was to just raise our spirits uh, mm-hmm. because it, it's very tough. I mean, when you see um, when you see Matt people treated so unfairly, um, mm-hmm. when you see uh, so many beautiful masses canceled. Um, it really does. Uh, you, you, it is a spur to action, um, and it has to be positive action. Um, and so that's what I think uh, really uh, motivated me to want to organize this march, was just waking up every day and just feeling this kind of, uh, oh, no, feeling. It was almost um, just to raise and I know a lot of other people are feeling that way too. Um, and I, and I've had so many people come, come up to me and say, thank you, because I, you know, well, I didn't know that we could do something like this, you know, um, and it just make, made us all, I think, feel ultimately at the end of the day, feel a lot closer to the church, um, and, and feel a lot better just about the situation, uh, to be able to do something so beautiful in response. What kind of, uh, repercussions have you had so far or what kind of repercussions are you, expecting to have uh, both a positive and negative um well it's it's really been very very positive um i have uh you know i i think that there's a lot of what it's done is it's raised awareness a lot of what's going on i think it's created a determination um to try even harder to make it work within these restrictions um, we, you know, we're, we're trying to get, um, a 501c3 together to try to raise money, um, to help, uh, you know, maintain and, and improve, um, the spaces that we've been given and, and help, uh, kind of, you know, make the, make the spaces even better. Um, I mean, there, there is, like I said before, there's restrictions in terms of how big the spaces are, um, and there's been, overflow overflow problems um that have arisen and we anticipate you know these restrictions are going to be in effect for at least uh two more years um and with the growth that we've seen honestly in the last year um you know the overflow problems may well become even worse um so you know so it's it's really all been positive Uh, there hasn't really been any um i mean in the you know graces we've gotten from this march have just been amazing and that's why we encourage everyone 
around the country, um, whether or not you're affected by traditionis or not, whether or not you even attend the Latin Mass, if you mm-hmm. are traditionally minded Catholic, now is the time to get together and pray the rosary every week, um, you know, do a, Mar- a Marian pilgrimage or a Marian procession, um, organize something like this in your own community, because this is a very powerful, um, very powerful thing to do. You know, I, I always go back to when I think about this, uh, the the fallout of Traditionis Custodis, as my, my family and I do attend the traditional Latin Mass at an FSSB parish, uh, we're very blessed. We we have grown to love the tradition in a way that we didn't expect. I didn't expect. I've shared that many times. Um, but we can take it for granted. We're very blessed to have access to it uh, and to not have to be in a situation like you, uh, where you are forced to uh, do something that you are you are struggling with here. In other words, attend the Novus Ordo Mass when you would prefer to attend the traditional Latin Mass and not have access to the daily Mass or the feast day Masses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, how hard has it been? How, how many in your group are tempted to dissent, attempted to a heavy-handedness in, a, in the approach to the bishops? How hard is it to maintain that level of charity, even towards the bishops who have restricted you? Well, it's been, um, uh, it, it certainly has been something that uh, I know a lot of people have struggled with, but I, w- I would say that um, what I, I've seen, the response has been extremely, extremely positive. Um, you know, in terms of wanting to continue praying for the bishops and, and, you know, stay, not just stay within the church, but grow even closer to the church. Um, and, you know, seeing the church as, as wounded and needing us and, and needing, um, faithful Catholics more than ever to come to rush to its assistance. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely been, uh, as you might, you know, predict, there, there's definitely been some urges. Um, to want to, you know, mm-hmm. criticize the bishops or, yeah, do, or do something like that. But the response that uh, that we've ultimately come to, I think, has been overwhelmingly positive. You know, mm. no one wants to play into the stereotypes that are uh, the false narratives that are being pushed, that people who attend the TLM are somehow schismatic or right. against the church. Um, nobody's... Uh, playing into that narrative. We're all trying um, much harder. We're rallying to our priests. We're rallying to our bishops mm-hmm. um, and trying to grow even more involved and closer to the church. Um, but it's, it's, it's a struggle. But as Catholics, we're used to that and we're, we're used to overcoming struggles um, successfully. Let me ask you a question then. If you like, uh, let's just uh, assume for the sake of the conversation that the bishop in Arlington and the bishop in the Archbishop in Washington, D.C., are listening to this program right now. What would you say to them? Well, I'd say we continue to, to pray for you. Um, you know, we are, are uh, thankful for you uh, for working with us uh, thus far, and we want to continue to work with you and, and support you um, to see ways uh, that we can continue to serve the needs of traditional Catholics and to continue to allow people to have even greater access to the 1962 Missal. And for you to see that this is a positive movement uh, within the church, one that whose growth is inevitable as people are attracted to, you know, the treasures of our Catholic tradition. They're mm-hmm. attracted to the old mass um, and, you know, to see how we can work to bring more people into the church, to allow more people to have access to the 1962 Missal um, within the parameters that we've been given. Do you plan for any new marches, any new events? 
Yes, we're definitely going to make this an annual, um, at least an annual event, um, the pilgrimage. We're also continuing to have weekly rosary rallies in front of the papal nunciature. Oh, good. Um, these are in the papal embassy um, in D- Washington, D.C., um, which is kind of the official um area of the vatican within dc and just to bear witness to the fruit of the night of the 1962 missile of the traditional latin mass to uh, express our sorrow over the restrictions this is something that's been going on in in france as well after traditionis was handed down and it's a very powerful witness to the power of the traditional latin mass um and we are thinking about perhaps doing a semi-annual um, pilgrimage in, in March. Um, we're starting to s- discuss that as well, um, making this a twice a year thing. Um, but we're definitely going to continue to have our weekly rosary rallies every Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, if you're in Washington, D.C., or even if you're not, if you're just visiting, we have lots of people who are visiting D.C. who come to the rosary rallies. Um, those are 10 a.m. every Saturday. And uh, we're going to continue to do the pilgrimage every year and hopefully twice a year. Do you have a website or Facebook post or anything like that? How do people, how do people find information? How do they contact you? How do they, how do they rally behind your banner? Yeah, so um, our website is tlmpilgrimage.com. Um, our Facebook uh, is DC Rosary Rally on Facebook. Um, we also have a Twitter, DC Rosary Rally. We also have TLM Pilgrimage on Facebook, and we have TLM Pilgrimage on Twitter as well. Um, those are all great places to uh, stay in touch. And we've also um, launched uh, a website for something called the Arlington Latin Mass Society, um, which has information on mass times within the Arlington Diocese and the locations that are offering it. Um, so we just launched that website the other day um, for the Arlington Latin Mass Society. If you search for that on, on Google, you should be able to find it. Um, so we have uh, lots and lots of different ways for you to follow. And, and on the Arlington Latin Mass Society, you can subscribe for updates about what we're doing. All right. Well, we are praying for your success and moving the hearts of the bishops there. We'd love to see a restoration of the access to the traditional ad mass for those Catholics that are desiring that. Noah Peters, God bless you, brother. Thank you for your time today. Thanks for sharing this with us. Thank you. God bless you. All right. That's going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the second hour, our good friend, attorney Brent Haynes, is back on the show to catch us up on a couple of national stories. All that plus the game show and a lot more. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We'll see you there. Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Why is your Protestant Bible four ounces lighter than my Catholic Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a faulty scale? Nope. Well, maybe it's just the weight of the paper or the cover or the binding or some introductory comments. We wish it were just that simple. No, it's the seven books that got dismissed by team Martin Luther. Secondly, audacity. Audacity allowed Luther and others to extract time-tested truths of Scripture and key letters from the canon. What? Yeah. 
Yes, about 1,200 years after the Bible canon was fully established, they rejected seven Old Testament books. Not only that, Luther placed the New Testament books of James and Jude, Hebrews and Revelation in a category called, quote, the disputed books. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. If I were to write a deeply personal letter to my wife regarding our future descendants, don't be taking seven of my choice paragraphs out of that letter. Why? You might be robbing those future descendants of a little bit of who Papa was. Now, don't you do that. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, this is Salisha from the Catholic Charismatic Center, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. God bless you and your family. Organize a uh, pilgrimage march walk. To where? Oh, man. For a long time, I was really considering doing one from downtown Houston out to the shrine of the True Cross to end with the veneration of the True Cross, but... Then I realized my priest at Annunciation had a relic of the True Cross, and I thought, then why go all the way down there when I could just <laughs> make our way to the Annunciation, which is a, a more beautiful church. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I never and not did. a 10-hour drive. And Yeah. Well, I wanted it to be arduous. You know, I, I have these books at my house on Padre Pio. I've shared that a bunch of times. Well, like several of these books, you read them, and they're like, yes, they would make routine Pilgrim, pilgrimage walks just all the time. Like it was yeah. such a part of life. They're like, okay, well, in you know, to it was make a retreat, to make reparation, I'm going to make this six mile walk to mm-hmm. such and such church barefoot. No, they wouldn't even do that. They would just walk to the church. Yeah. Like they didn't have to. They just chose to. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. But I thought it'd be nice to, nice to have like a like the charts. Pilgrimage in France, the big pilgrimage there. Yeah. So, you know, where I want priests no. to be on the march with us, hear our mm-hmm. confessions along the way. Bagpipes. Yes. You know, Joe. Yes. I, I would love Bears. something like that to happen. But, you know, that's a little discouraging by the very fact that, you know, we have like small marches in Houston, mm-hmm. small rosary rallies, and nobody shows up to them. Yeah. <laughs> and the then you're, too, people are it? like, oh, I would love to go on a, those old marches they used to have way mm-hmm. back in the day. It's like, but you don't even show up for like an hour praying the rosary. Yeah. Like you, you really think you're going to be just, able to do uh, well, just okay, jump I, into I would like to make a distinction between rosary summer. rallies at like uh, drag queen story hours, which are necessary, and a pilgrimage walk. These are two different natures. No, no, things, but all so. I'm talking about, like, uh, there's a once a month rosary rally in Houston mm-hmm. that is just a rosary rally just yeah. for America. And then, uh, and then uh, the we interviewed our friends over the Carlos in Dallas, and mm-hmm. they've been hosting rosary marches for the consecration of Texas to the Sacred yeah. Heart. 
But you know, um, you know, Houston. That's a good point, Adrian. But I, I also want to bring up the point that um, you know, with with anything really, it's a competition for time nowadays. Everybody's is, so yeah. over busy, right. and it's really like you yeah. have to have almost a PR a PR team to yeah. like get right. the word out because people are just so mm-hmm. oversaturated with events, with things to do. Yeah, you know. It, it's true. People need to make the time to do it if mm-hmm. they really want to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, with think, all the video game tournaments we have to compete in these yeah, days, yeah. Well, I mean, who's got time? There's a lot of things competing time? for time. Yeah, who's got time? A lot of things competing. For you time. know, I looked yesterday. Uh, I looked up some statistics. 2022 statistics on social media usage mm. between oh between YouTube, Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and TikTok. Guess how many hours per month on average we use those platforms? Something absurd. You know, in, in, 113 in the, oh hours per month on average per user. That's insane. For those apps. Yeah, like I, I'm looking at our home life and I'm very tempted to come home and just kind of veg out and scroll around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And man, I just, it kills me when yeah. I, I catch myself and I realize, I realize I'm not being present. To my family. I'm yeah, not being present hard. in the moment. I and agree. I'm just it's missing out. It's easy. It's easy to get distracted. And uh, I guess it was a uh, couple of, uh, I guess it was last year, summertime last year. Maybe it was the year before. I forget now. Uh, we did a uh, we did a couple of marches, rosary marches through downtown Houston out to from Annunciation out to St. Joseph. That was a blast. It was mm. a, a great crowd there. I can't remember a couple hundred people. Uh, it was just a good time. Um, of course, uh, they let me uh, sort of shout the rosary in downtown. Mm-hmm. Did the old uh, drill instructor shout thing between the buildings, <laughs> and it just bounced off all the all the high rises, and people were coming out on their balconies like, "What in the world is going on here?" You know, I'm on the night shift. That's right. <laughs> I was like the good old Marine Corps days. I'm like thunder. You know, it was so good. It was so good. Praise be to God. And then, of course, to end. In adoration to the Blessed Sacrament, it was such a beautiful thing. So I'd love to do something along those lines, a big pilgrimage march, you know, with uh, confessions along the way. And like you say, just uh, just some, something epic to, uh, to inspire people. But uh, as Adrian, I think to Adrian's point, and it's very well made, too few people actually participate in such mm-hmm. things. You know? Yeah, all talk. Everybody wants to complain, but very few people want to actually give up their Saturday yeah. Or give up there yeah. a weekday, give up a yeah. couple hours, yeah. be out in the heat. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Speaking of complaints, uh, Brent Haynes is with us again. Uh, he's an attorney, Catholic speaker, uh, pro-life activist, and warrior. Good morning to you, Mr. Haynes. Good morning, Joe. It seems like only since yesterday since we spoke. It feels like <laughs> just yesterday we were together. <laughs> it's good to have you back on our program again. Uh, yeah, that, it's funny. We Yesterday we were talking about Mark Houck's situation and uh, today, there's new reports that have come out. Of course, I've been talking with Mark behind the scenes. Uh, they're under a gag order. So they've got uh, the Thomas More Society now representing them publicly. So that's nice. good news. So they're going to be able to take more advantage of some of these uh, media opportunities. But apparently, three, mo- three months ago, uh, Mark offered himself up to the FBI. And they're like, no, that's okay. We'll, we'll come find you if we need you. So that was fun. And they found me, didn't they? They sure did. Oh, but it's not a SWAT team, Brent. It's not a SWAT team. It's just 25 guys in tactical gear doing a perimeter security thing and then pounding on the door with guns. Other than that, not a SWAT team. So everything is very (laughs) normal here. Move along. Move along. Anyway, you've got other stories to catch us up on. What's going on? Well, you know, there is good news out there, Joe. 
Um, for example, we talked just a few weeks ago about uh, parents who find out um, that their children are using, uh, you know, alternative gender uh, names, pronouns in school. Uh, you know, boys choose saying that they're girls or girls saying that they're boys. And yeah. parents in Maryland, for example, sued and, and an Obama appointed district, federal district judge throughout the lawsuit because the parents were upset that the uh, schools were deceiving <laughs> the parents by not telling them what was going on and by actually using the, the, the children's correct pronouns and names when they spoke to the parents, but going along with the transitional pronouns and names in school. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a teacher, now, the part, and also, now part of this problem is, and people who've heard of Jordan Peterson might remember that this is what started the Jordan Peterson problem at the University of Toronto. Uh, there are teachers who don't want to do this, and they say, look, this is a, you, you can't make me call uh, a boy by girl pronouns or call a girl by some preferred boy's name if that's not her legal name. That's a violation of the teacher's free speech rights. And more fundamentally for us, it's a violation frequently of the teacher's uh, rights of uh, religious belief and, and religious expression and re- religious practice. So last year in Kansas, a teacher was fired or, or suspended rather for three days at a middle school. Now this is Kansas. Not the most conservative state in the nation, but we're not even talking about California or right. Oregon or that <laughs> right. school district in, in Maryland. Yeah, we're not in Kansas uh, anymore, and, though, Brent. Uh, Kansas is not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We, remember, we, re- we remember how they voted just a few weeks ago right. on the abortion referen- referendum in that state. There's still a lot of work for us to do out there. But we are winning a lot of battles. You know, people, sh- people should know, you know, we're in a fight for the soul of our culture, but we're not necessarily losing. We're winning a lot of battles. So this teacher was suspended because she refused to use a girl's uh, alternative boy name and refused to uh, use the the uh, male pronouns. Mm-hmm. Uh, she simply called the girl Miss and called her by her last name, her legal name. Uh, the school did not even have a policy that required teachers to use alternative pronouns or preferred pronouns, rather. Uh, so instead, the school uh, just suspended the teacher for three days under a general policy of bullying. Wow! So they just—they essentially—they they essentially, they essentially just um, uh, accused her of bullying, and they suspended her for three days. Well, she filed suit, and the school board in Kansas—it's the—it was at Fort Riley Middle School. Um, they paid $95,000 in damages and attorney fees for violating the teacher's First Amendment rights. Um, Whoa. And they agreed They agreed that um, she was in good standing. Now, as it turns out, um, she, uh, she retired in May. So I, I don't know at this point whether she retired because she was going to retire or, or if this was just too much for her and she was forced out, which is, which is an unfortunate consequence for some teachers. And a lot just don't want to put up with this kind of thing. It is another sad aspect about this, this struggle. But um, the, she took the school district to court. The, the legal champions of the Alliance Defending Freedom represented her. They have become the leading, uh, you know, conservative religious freedom uh, legal group out there, the Thomas More Center, uh, the Thomas More uh, Law Firm, uh, the Beckett Fund, 
for religious liberty. There are a lot of good groups out there, but ADF is the largest, and they took they took her case. And the uh, school district uh, gave in. You know, they cried uncle because they knew they were going to lose. So there are victories out there, and it's good to know. It's good to know that it's good for parents to know that they can stand up and fight back. It's mm-hmm. good for teachers to know that they can stand up for their rights. Does this become does this, does this become precedent for other? Teachers, like, could they, could their attorneys uh, reference this case in their own legal proceedings, fighting for their rights? Um, generally, yes. Now, precedent has different forms in the law. There is strict formal precedent, which is when a court issues a decision that's almost exactly on point, meaning same facts, same law, in the very same jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And a higher court has issued that decision. So, you know, the United States Supreme Court, for example, when it issues an opinion, it's precedent for everybody in the country under those facts and law. Um, and then there's sort of a more general precedent where a lawyer can tell a, tell a court, look, judge, this other court had a similar case, and they ruled the way we're asking you to rule in this case. So, yes, that's true. Um, but another point, Joe, is that this shows the other side that we're not just going to roll over. This shows the other side that they're going to have to stand up and, and, and fight because we're going to stand up and fight for ourselves. And it shows them that they're going to lose. It shows them that they're, they're not always going to win. Sure, they won that case in Maryland for now, but we won this case in Kansas. And the way the legal system works, and not all, not all of these struggles are, are legal fights, but the way the legal system works uh, these cases will develop across the country. Eventually, they'll go up into the state uh, appellate courts and state supreme courts and be, be decided on a statewide basis. And in terms of federal rights, they'll work their way up into the federal circuit courts. And if there's enough of a conflict, uh, eventually, it takes years, it will end up at the U.S. Supreme Court. But the good news is there are people out there fighting, and we're winning. In another case... Um, which uh, touching, you know, concerns us on other issues such as uh, family and social services. There's a charity in New York called New Hope Family Services, and it's a reminder of the case that we had in Philadelphia involving Catholic social services just a couple of years ago from the Supreme Court, where the city of Philadelphia suspended its relationship with the Catholic Adoption Agency because the Catholic Adoption Agency would not place children with gay parents. Same thing in the state of New York with this organization called New Hope. Mm-hmm. They simply believe that children, it's a faith-based organization, so this is where religious freedom comes in. They did not accept government funding, but the state of New York, being that tolerant, you know, that tolerant you know, champion of diversity that we know New York is, singled them out for their, their policy, which is based on the religious beliefs, because it believed in, are you ready for this, Joe? It believed in placing children in a home with a married what? mother and father. That's crazy talk. And, and New York had actually praised this organization for the quality of its services. Well, the uh, New Hope Family Services uh, went and went to court, and they won, and they got a permanent injunction against the state of New York's Office of Children and Family Services. So... You know, there's there are good results out there. If people would just get engaged, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, then we're gonna they're gonna do a lot of good, and we know what happens if we don't get engaged. Oh, we're seeing it right in front of our very eyes every day in the headlines. 
Uh, defend the family. That's what I say. Defend the family against this crazy, kind of like the new prime minister in, uh, in Italy, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Brent Haynes, God bless you. God love you. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having you back soon. But that is going to, uh, that's going to mean we're going to play a game next. We're going to have some fun next. We're going to challenge you to learn something about your faith next. All of that means you can be a contestant if you call right now, 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19, 16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. A Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell Anybody, ever. If you make that deal with me, then I shall share them with you. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you're going to learn something. Uh, probably, anyway. I'm looking at that. It's kind of all easy question Tuesday, Adrian. But nonetheless, I guarantee you're going to learn one thing. One thing today. Praise be to God. And uh, you're also going to have a laugh. We, have, we like to have chuckles. Uh, so it's always a good time. Our callers are the best. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which incentivizes everyone here. Because you learn, you laugh, and you win. It's an option, right? Um, but here's the kicker. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. And out of all three of these three questions, I do not ask any of the three questions to the caller. 
So they don't need to know any of the answers. They could possibly not know a single correct answer, but still win the game because instead of asking them these three questions, I shall ask Rudy, I shall ask Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer will then go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. What could they win? Praise be to God. This week, we are sponsoring the game show. So CDT is sponsoring it with the very last replica Mm. of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. You could win it this week. Mm -hmm. Well, a version one before it's transfigured before our very eyes. Into version two. Into version two. The clouds are going to come down. and We're going to hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved cup. (laughs) It's going to change it to something else. Uh... Uh, (laughs) You know, I'm not going to take that anymore. We further, should, any further there, but uh, we should in get any a case. sounder for that. We should get we should get our friend from Mike Romano to do a sounder <laughs> for that. This is my beloved cup. But Drink in addition, it. it's yes. not just the cup. It's not. I know it, it, it was yikes after I said it. Anyway, um, we're also going to be giving away the uh, book with the the book the. From Sophia from Institute Sophia Press. Institute, thank you very much. Dr. Uh, Chris Malloy's book. Chris Malloy. We False had him on the show mercy. yesterday. Yep, yeah. False Mercy. So it's going to be a yeah. great uh, prize back this week. Yeah, praise be to God. So uh, you get the uh, False Mercy book from Dr. Chris Malloy, and you get the uh, replica of the of, this, of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence from CDT. So Version it's going to be one. a good prize pack for you this week. Let's go to the phones. Good. I see our friends here, the the uh, Mac Burrier clan here. Good morning to you, Burriers. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. Who am I talking to this morning? Genevieve. Genevieve. My favorite of the Burrier family. Don't well, tell the don't others. Tell don't tell, don't wow. tell the others. Uh, Genevieve, good morning to you. Uh, remind us, how old are you, Genevieve? I'm going to be eight in three days. Wow. wow. Eight years God. old. In three days. Do you have a job yet, Genevieve? Are you paying taxes? No. Praise be Not God. yet. Not yet. <laughs> I wait wait <laughs> until yeah. you're nine to do exactly. that. Exactly. Just hold out as long as you can, Genevieve. Are you on your way to school today? Yes. Where do you go to school? St. Peter and Paul. Oh. Two of my favorite saints. No. Praise be to God, Genevieve. We know you listen, and you are a veteran at uh, the ripe age of, of eight years old of the Catholic Drive Time game. Are you ready to play? Yeah. Praise be to God from the from the rolling hill country of Texas, Genevieve Burger, everybody. All right. We will start with Rudy Carlos, as is our our custom. He's wearing the Giga Maggie's tie today. Gigam Longhorns. Let's go. That's, that's blasphemy, by the way. What? Sacrilegious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad news. Uh, it's Texas. We all have to choose uh, whether you went there or not. Giga Maggie's. All right. Can you tell me, is prudence one of the cardinal virtues? Why, yes, it is. Is that your answer? Yes. You're just going to go straight up yes. Mm-hmm. Along the nose there. Yep. Okay. Prudence, mm-hmm. a thing that is lacking in our uh, okay. modern society. I see. I yes. see. Okay. Prudence, prudence, uh, is it a cardinal virtue? Hmm, you say yes. Let's see what uh, Brother Adrian has to say. Adrian, I am super curious. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Can you tell me, is prudence one of the cardinal virtues? Well, I have to say, 
Mm-hmm. I have met mm-hmm. a lot of cardinals in my life. Have you? I have. Uh-huh. And I have uh, Northern yet, cardinals. I have yet to meet a cardinal okay. yeah. that exercised the virtue of prudence very well. Really? So I'm going to say no. No, huh. cardinals don't have prudence. They don't? No. Are you? Mm-hmm. That's your answer. Yeah. Okay. Genevieve, you got options. The question is, is prudence one of the cardinal virtues? Adrian says no, and Rudy says yes. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? (laughs) Not even a hesitation. (laughs) Yes, No, cardinal virtues don't refer Mm. to the cardinals. Yes. They're the uh, chief or the directional virtues, those that direct all the other ones. All right. Praise be to God. Congratulations, Genevieve. You are correct. It is one of the cardinal virtues. And you are in the cup you could win. Let's try to get this next one. This is a history question of sorts. Let's see how it goes. We're going to start with Adrian, who has advanced degrees in history, in historyology. Isn't that correct? No, no, no. No? I don't. I got that Mm -hmm. wrong? Sorry. Okay. My my PhD Mm -hmm. uh, currently that Mm -hmm. I'm identifying as as right now Mm -hmm. is actually in uh, clergy. Oh. Mm -hmm. I see. Clergyology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. Okay. So you may not know then. Let's just see what you say. Uh, Could you tell me, what is the title given to a woman in the earliest centuries of the church who were appointed to care for the sick and assist uh, the minister? Yeah, exactly. You got it. (laughs) Yes. Well, the title given to women in the early centuries who were appointed to care for the sick and assist ministers, Mm -hmm. that was... Um, which I know from my study of clergyologies. Yeah. And it was a deaconess. A deaconess. Yes. And whenever we were studying huh. in clergyology, yeah. we made sure to note that deaconesses were not actually clergy. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, you blow my mind. I Let's know. just see what Rudy says here. Rudy, can you tell me, what is the title given to women in the earliest centuries of the church who were appointed to care for the sick and assist the minister? Guten Tag, mein Freund. Uh, well, Guten Tag. in Germany, we called them priestesses. Uh, <laughs> you called yes. them, I'm sorry, what? Priestesses. Do they always say it like that? With yeah, that? Yeah, mm, yeah. Jawohl. Yeah. Jawohl, Herr Carlos. Okay. Mm. Uh, all right, uh, Genevieve, you got options here. This is the trickiest one of all, I have to say. Uh, the title given to women in the earliest centuries of the church who are appointed to care for the sick and assist the clergy, was that the deaconesses, as Adrian said? Or priestesses, as Rudy said. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Genevieve, what say you? Adrian. <laughs> you can't trick her. Genevieve just cannot trick her. Genevieve. I, mm, I'm starting to... I, I'm, get, I'm a little curious, Genevieve. Way to go, Genevieve. Um, either you are the most brilliant eight-year-old I've ever met. Actually, she's the most brilliant seven-year-old I've ever met. It's a true story. I'm rounding it. But uh, or there's someone you got. A, you're phoning a friend over there. You got someone helping you out there, Genevieve. <laughs> are you, Silence. Are you, are you pleading the fifth on me, Genevieve? Like, do you refuse? She's to like, I have the right to remain silent, Joe. <laughs> All right. Well, that's well okay, I anyway. guess. All right. Praise be to God that you're in. You're in for two. You correct answer. Deaconesses was the correct answer. Not clergy, but nonetheless, use that title. All right. Let's try to go for a perfect score now. Third question. Back to Rudy. Rudy, mm-hmm. can you tell me hmm. who's on first? Okay. What's on first? No. What's on second? 
No, who's on who's first? On first? Uh, is that a is that a sports ball? Reference? Have you ever seen? You, you, know, you know what that reference? Right. Tell me you've seen that. Seen what? Who's oh, on first? No. Uh, Abbott and Costello. Yeah. It's no. Okay. Go home until you've watched. We have to that. talk about this right now. Show. Leave. It's go, called. Go it's home. called Abbott and Costello. Abbott are the two comedians. Yeah. It's called, delivered. The bit's called Who's on First. Yeah. Oh. It's gotcha. a classic. How could you not know it's, this? It's, yeah. It's well. It's used all the time. It's in, required reading in every philosophical <laughs> course on the planet. All right, anyway. Actually, let's get to the mind. real question. Which comes first, the secret or the epistle in the Holy Mass? Hmm, what comes first? I'm going to say the epistle. The epistle? The epistle. The epistle, you mean? Epistle? The epistle. Epistle. Okay, that's your answer. Epistle. The epistle. All that's right. That's what I said. Right. Yeah, yeah, you said that. That's for sure. The epistle. Adrian, maybe you could tell me uh, which comes first, the secret or the epistle in the Holy Mass? Well, obviously it's a secret. <laughs> Why do you... I say that? Why is that so? Because I had to go with the opposite mm. of what Rudy said. This is how you're... <laughs> so you obviously. Are, it, there's n- you have no choice. I have you no choice in the matter. I'm bound. bound. I am bound. To whatever, whatever is the opposite of the other this person. This is accurate. I see. Okay, mm-hmm. well... Genevieve, I know that you are a liturgical expert, so I'm hoping this is fairly easy for you, but in the Holy Mass, the question is, what comes first? The secret, which is a little prayer the priest says quietly uh, to himself and to God, or is it the epistle uh, in the Holy Mass? Adrian says it's the secret. Rudy says it's the epistle. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Genevieve, what say you? Perfect. Wow. Perfect score. 100%. You are brilliant, Genevieve. You are very brilliant. I recommend everybody stay away from Genevieve when she's playing cards. She may hustle (laughs) you for your money. She's just brilliant. Uh, God bless you, Genevieve. You are correct. It is the epistle. You did great. Perfect score. You're in the cup. God love you, Genevieve. Have a great day at school. Thank you for playing our game today. We're going to put the Burrier clan on hold. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show. Tomorrow on the program, we have a great lineup for you today. Michael Hitchborn is going to be our guest. And uh, I don't know, David David O'Gray may be back, although he's moved to Germany. Talk about uh, Deutschland, German. Guten Morgen, Herr uh, Gray. We'll talk to him tomorrow. Join us in the after show at grnonline.com. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Vincent de Paul. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. All creatures of our God and King, 
Lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, Alleluia. The burning sun with golden beam, the silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray, pray for, for me to the Lord, Lord our God. God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who for the relief of the poor and the formation of the clergy, endowed the priest St. Vincent de Paul with apostolic virtues, grant, we pray, that afire with that same spirit, we may love what he loved and put into practice what he taught. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Job. Job opened his mouth and cursed his day. Job spoke out and said, Perish the day on which I was born. The night when they said, the child is a boy. Why did I not perish at birth? Come forth from the womb and expire. Or why was I not buried away like an untimely bird, like babes that have never seen the light? Wherefore did the knees receive me? Or why did I stop at the breast? Why did I suck at the breast? For then I should have lain down and been tranquil. Had I slept, I should then have been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who built where now they are ruined or with prince, princes who had gold and filled their houses with silver. There the wicked cease from troubling there the weary are at rest. 
Why is light given to the toilers and life to the bitter in spirit? They wait for death and it comes not. They search for it rather than for hidden treasures. Rejoice in it exultantly and are glad when they reach the grave. Those whose path is hidden from them and when God has hummed in. The word of the Lord. Let my prayer come before you, Lord. Let my prayer come before you, Lord. O Lord my God, by day I cry out, at night I clamor in your presence. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my call for help. Let my prayer come before you, Lord. For my soul is so fettered with troubles, and my life draws near to the nether world. I am numbered with those who go down into the pit. I am a man without strength. Let my prayer come before you, Lord. My couch is among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no longer, and who are cut off from your care. Let my prayer come before you, Lord. You have plunged me into the bottom of the pit, into the dark abyss. Upon me your wrath lies heavy, and with all your pillows you overwhelm me. Let my prayer come before you, Lord. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, o Lord. When the days for Jesus to be taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there, but they would not welcome him because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, Do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they journeyed to another village. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today's first reading, we hear the lament of Job, who even goes so far as cursing the day of his birth, because such is the extent of his suffering that he's not able to put any meaning to it, and he basically comes to a conclusion to say, boy, it seems as if it would be better if I wasn't born. In many ways, Job represents for us really the, the problem and the challenge of suffering and highlights in a special way that before Jesus uses suffering as kind of the instrument of redemption, that it's on the cross precisely in Jesus' agony and his passion, 
that he redeems us for our sins and that he gives us the possibility to be able to participate in that suffering and to offer it up as well as a sacrifice united to his one redeeming act. Without that, suffering presents for us a massive problem like Job faces to say, boy, when suffering gets to be too much, it's easy to say, why am I even here in the first place? And all of that, of course, as I mentioned, gets transformed by Jesus, where all of a sudden suffering is something which can take on an incredible value and have a meritorious, redemptive value associated with it. In today's Gospel, we can begin to see the makings of Jesus transforming the meaning of suffering and death into a redeeming act. When we hear in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus resolutely is determined to journey to Jerusalem. In the Gospel of Luke and also in the Acts of the Apostles, Jerusalem serves as a focal point or a central point. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, once Jesus begins his public ministry, even geographically he makes a straight line from where he starts and he continually heads toward Jerusalem. Because for Luke, Jerusalem is the place where Jesus' redeeming sacrifice will take place. So it is the focal point of his mission where the act of redemption and sacrifice will take place. And then in Acts of Apostles, it is from that focal point of Jerusalem that the apostles go out and bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. So in other words, when we hear Jesus was resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem, what we're really hearing is Jesus is resolutely determined to fulfill the Father's will that the Son should offer himself as a saving sacrifice in order to redeem us from our sins. And this is the resolute determination of Jesus to transform his suffering, his passion, and his death into an act of redemption, a sacrifice pleasing to the Father to save us from our sins. I think when we look at the resolute determination of Jesus to ultimately carry his cross and offer his life for us, it is a reminder for us too that when we are confronted with challenges and sufferings in life, that we too are called to have that same resolute determination that Jesus had to be able to offer our sufferings as a sacrifice pleasing to our Father. I think we live in a culture where basically we seem to want everything immediately. It's kind of like a microwave oven culture. We want everything to be fixed immediately. We want all our problems to go away immediately. And when it doesn't, we don't know what to do with it. And what's lacking really is this kind of resolute determination to say, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how much time it takes, I'm willing to be patient, I'm willing to persevere, I'm willing to be resolutely determined to endure, to persevere, and to offer my sufferings as a sacrifice united to the one true sacrifice of Jesus. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us in a special way pray for all people who are suffering in any way, be it from mental or physical anguish. Uh, let us ask God for the grace that they would be strengthened. And let us give thanks that really in Jesus that our suffering does in fact have a meaning. In fact, it really is a place where we can share in his one saving sacrifice on the cross. And let us pray that we would always be resolutely determined to be able to complete the mission that our Heavenly Father has given to each one of us. Amen.
Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all bishops and church leaders that they would be inspired by the Holy Spirit in all their decisions. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders that they would be inspired to enact just laws that safeguard the dignity of human life from the first moment of conception to natural death and laws which don't transgress the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given the consolation in their faith and the courage and perseverance to unite their sufferings with Christ on the cross. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for all those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, for those who have asked for our prayers, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in the virtue of fortitude, patience, and perseverance in our own lives, and being resolutely determined to follow after Jesus. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. Elect from every nation, yet one o'er all the earth. Her charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth. One holy name she blesses, partakes one holy food. And to one hope she presses, with every grace endued. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands praise and glory of his name for our good and good of all his holy church O God who enabled Saint Vincent de Paul to imitate what he celebrated in the divine mysteries grant that by the power of this sacrifice we too may be transformed into an oblation acceptable to you through Christ our Lord Amen the Lord be with you and with your spirit, lift up your hearts. 
We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence by which you call human nature back to its original holiness and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis uncheli et terra, gloria tua, osana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, osana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith Save us, Savior of the world for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. 
Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater nostem, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomentum, adveniat renum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, quitolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On your stay, quitolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On your stay, quitolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
body of Christ. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Godhead here in hiding, whom I do adore. Masked by these bare shadows, shape and nothing more. See, Lord, at thy service, low lies here a heart. Lost, all lost in wonder at the God thou art. Seeing, touching, tasting, are deceived. House as trusty hearing that shall be believed. What God's Son has told me, take for truth I do. Truth himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true. On the cross thy Godhead made no sign to men. Here thy very manhood steals from human ken. Both are my confession, both are my belief. And I pray the prayer of the dying thief. Let us pray. Renewed by this heavenly sacrament, O Lord, we implore that, just as we are prompted by St. Vincent's example, to imitate your son in his preaching of the gospel to the poor, so too we may be sustained by his prayers. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lift high the cross. The love of Christ proclaim Till all the world adore His sacred name Come, brethren, follow Where our captain trod Our king victorious Christ, the Son of God, lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. 
And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy, my name is Adrian 